Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm sitting down with Willow Starr. She shares openly about how cancer gave her permission to live life on her terms. Willow is a cancer thriver, dancer, writer, and traveler. She has transformed her entire life while healing stage four breast cancer. She travels in her vintage van, giving healing sessions to those with cancer, using cacao and tarot as a way to dive into the emotional side of cancer. Willow is currently creating a healing retreat space in her home in Mount Shasta, California. She shares her journey vulnerably on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok to inspire others. Willow says that cancer healed her life. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Willow, but before I do, just a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. Hi, Willow. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm so looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you today. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I would really just love you to start and share what you were going through in 2016. I know a lot was going on for you. (laughs) Yeah. 2016. It's an infamous year whenever I hear it. Um, Yeah. I was 46 years old. I was in a, I was in a marriage. Uh, I'd been married for about 24 years and um, had been in marriage counseling for three and a half, really, I would say at a rock bottom of um, just feeling lost, depressed, um, just kind of like hopeless victim. Um, My kids were, uh, you know, college age and kind of doing their thing. And yeah, I, I, I was, I was a mess. <laughs> I was definitely a mess and yeah, I was uh, getting ready to leave my marriage and my girlfriends were taking me um, out of, they were taking me to Austin, Texas for a like girls getaway to really kind of help me figure out what to do because they just couldn't, you know, bear to watch my suffering anymore. And you know, ironically, um, or not so much, um, the night we were getting ready to leave, I was packing and I felt a lump in my breast and it was so screaming obvious. As soon as I touched it, it was like, this is, this is breast cancer. Like just no, there was no mistaking it. And I got on the plane the next morning and it was really clear, you know, like, wow, I, I I need to, I need to really get my stuff in order because things are really getting worse. And um, yeah, I came back and went straight to the hospital. They had an appointment like right when I got back into town 
spent six hours, you know, I think anybody that <laughs> goes in for the, Hey, I just have this little lump. Can you check it? And six hours later, you're being poked and prodded and biopsied. I think, you know, that the, it's, you, you, you see the look on the nurse's face and, Oh, it's now it's after hours. And they're like, Oh, we're just so sorry. You know? And I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is real. So, uh, two days later, um, walked into our therapy and said, this is it. Like we need to start transitioning into how to stay on as friends and co-parents, but like we, this marriage is done. And then about two weeks later, uh, they called me in for more testing and they were like, this wasn't what we were hoping for. Um, you have metastatic breast cancer. Never heard of it before. <laughs> uh, it was just like, what? What is? And I literally said, what does this mean? And within two minutes of sitting across this oncologist I've never met before, uh, she says to me, that means that this cancer will take your life and you should go and uh, get your things in order and go have fun. And maybe you can get on disability. And I, I'm just like, what? Like, I feel fine, except for my life sucks, you know, but like, I didn't, it was just such a, it was such a shock. And, um, especially cause I had, I didn't even know what this was. I didn't know what metastatic breast cancer was. And, um, yeah, she told me I had about, you know, most people live about two and a half years that I could live much longer, but you know, that was about the median. And she said, maybe, you know, go get some second opinions and, you know, so it was just like that. She just basically said, <laughs> Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. You are probably not going to live yeah. that long. Yeah. 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 And it, it's when you think like something that I wrap my head, you know, really try to wrap my head around right now is I have the recording and somebody had recommended and I highly recommend to other people when you go into these doctor's appointments, especially ones where, you know, there's a lot on the line, record it because your brain does not necessarily remember and now I listen to it as comedy, you know, and I, I'm lucky I'm the person that I am because every time she kept saying something, I was just like, oh, like rejecting. I'm like, I don't like, that's not me. Or, you know, I kept saying, I have faith. I have faith. I have faith. It's going to be okay. That's amazing. And so you're, yeah, you didn't panic right away or, or was it? <laughs> I did. I, I had a two day bubble. I call it the pepper spray bubble. Yeah. I left the hospital and had this new friend that I had met. And I'm very grateful that he was able, he was somebody who didn't really know me. Like I'd only known him maybe two weeks and we had plans to get together um, after this appointment. And he's a really nice person, really solid, but not connected to me in that way. And he's the first person I saw. And I was just like, they just told me this. And so my family is at home waiting and I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know how to even do this, you know? So I spent about five hours in my car looking at the Golden Gate Bridge and watching the windsurfers and really just, I was in utter disbelief and sheer, I'd say panic and terror, yet the way I am, true, uh, true Willow style is fine. I'm stoic. I can make this work, you know, it's okay. And I went home and my family just, you know, we all fell apart. And I had just, you know, left my marriage and my ex is like, we need to stay together. And I'm like, no, actually, no, uh, that's, that's not going to happen. And, um, 
And then, yeah, the next day, my girlfriends, we were runners, you know, and they, they, we went on a run. And I just remember this feeling of looking around at people and being like, nobody just told you you're going to die tomorrow. Like, yeah, like I had this, like, I was this other, you know, I was like, you guys are alive and I'm going to die. Like, I almost felt like I was like one foot in the grave at that point. And, um, that, you know, similar feeling to when somebody passes away and you are like, oh, and then you're just at the grocery store and you're like, I just, you know, I've been to a lot of people's passings and you're kind of like the world just is still going. Yes. And you almost feel disconnected, right? So disconnected. That, that is a great word. Cause I, when I say pepper spray bubble, it just felt hot and itchy. And, and it felt like when people were talking to me, it was like, wah, 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 wah. you know, cause I was like, the only thing I can think about right now is that they literally said, I'm going to die, you know, like that. And I did that for two days. And then on the third day, I was like, this is dumb. Like, this is just not me. And I was like, this is not how I want to do this. And I want to, you know, I want to do this differently. And I'd say from the beginning, I did have a sense of I'm rebellious. I'm, 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 you know, I've just always been like an outlier. I've had weird, really weird health issues my whole life where it's like, I didn't just get a cold. I got like an ectopic pregnancy or I had, you know, toxic shock syndrome. Like people don't get these things. You read about it. And so there was kind of this sense like, whatever, you know, it's fine. That's amazing. And I just have a a quick question. Mm -hmm. Were you having any symptoms before this at all? Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's so many, you know, there's so many layers, I think for us in this cancer journey, you know, and, and, you know, we hear all different stories. So the interesting thing is, um, I came from a family with so much cancer So I grew up believing that I was going to get cancer someday. It just, it was, it kind of wasn't like if it was just when. So from very early age was getting mammograms, you know, always had my yearly testing. And um, in November of 2015, I had went in for a mammogram and those results came back fine. And then in April of 2016, I feel this massive lump and I, you know, it's breast cancer and it's already metastasized to my liver. So looking back, we had a radiologist look over the mammogram and the lump was in the mammogram. You know, there's two parts to that. I have dense breasts. So, you know, my, I have not, I will not get a mammogram again. Um, and I feel very, there's a lot of, you know, I can sit there and go back and second guess. And I did, you know, I talked to a lawyer and I was like, you know, it seems like I fell through the cracks here and, you know, and when it was all said and done, you know, would it have made a difference if we had known five months earlier? I don't know. Could they have spread it? into the rest of my body from that mammogram. I don't know, you know, and it's kind of like I could sit in, go into those places and does it really matter? The point is I have stage four cancer and I got to get it, you know, I got to heal. So I was, the interesting thing is also I was having incredible joint pain and I had had it for a long time. And I had had three different doctors tell me, uh, 
after looking at blood work, hey, you've got an incredibly elevated number here and you need to go get it checked out. So that, you know, kind of had me going to different doctors. And then I got on the wait list for UCSF to see a rheumatoid arthritis um, specialist, took six months to get in there. He runs my labs and says, oh yeah, this one number, it's like supposed to be under 15 and it was like 500 and something. Sorry, it was an inflammation marker? Yes, yes. So I was like off the charts, but I was only off the charts in the one number. So he's like, you don't have rheumatoid arthritis, bye. And he gave me a prescription. So I go home and I'm like, well, okay, that was a long time. I waited and I guess it's something else. I go home, I start taking this prescription and I feel better. And um, find out later, it was a prescription strength of Advil. So yeah, I did feel better. <laughs> it brought down my inflammation. Um, looking back, I was stressed, depressed, eating garbage, sugar, alcohol. My whole body was crazy inflamed. The beauty of this is when I went to get into treatment at UCSF, when I get the second opinion, the oncologist I sought out, people had highly recommended her. She was a top researcher. Her big focus was keeping me comfortable. And so it's kind of like, I think it's like cute and endearing at this point that it was like, oh, you know, Willow's only got a little bit of time. So we don't want to like do anything that's going to, you know, like, so interestingly enough, they did not offer me surgery because the tumors were everywhere in my liver. They did not offer me chemo and they did not offer me radiation. So she said, we've got these hormone blockers, uh, two different shots um, that will put you into menopause. And that, that felt really like resonant for me. Cause I was like, I'm 46. This would be a natural thing occurring in the next decade. So it, it felt, cause I really didn't want to go into a traditional Western medicine, you know, chemo, radiation, surgery situation. So that felt really good for me. And then, and then she said, we're going to get you on this experimental drug, palbociclib, this eye brands. She said, your insurance won't cover it. It's not like covered for using it in the beginning of a, a diagnosis. We're using it always at the end as like a last resort. And she said, but for you, we want to keep you comfortable. She did not want to put me on this other drug because she was afraid it would hurt my joints. And I was already having joint pain. The funny thing is I was having joint pain because of my lifestyle. So I, so she, but that helped her choose my, my protocol, which ended it, like, it's been such a gentle, you know, I feel so grateful for my protocol because it's just been very gentle on my body. I don't, I don't suffer any, like almost no side effects besides like a low immunity, which I work on, you know, through diet and exercise and everything. Amazing. So then this other doctor, did you just fire her? The one that said you're going to die? Is that? Yeah. I, you know, she said I would get a second opinion and I walked out of that. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely getting a second opinion. And I was like, I will never be back here again. And uh, yeah, I sought out, everybody recommended this one woman and I stayed with her for uh, three years. I say, um, it only took me three years to break up with her versus 25 years to break up with my um, ex-husband. So I'm like, I'm learning, I'm doing better. Um, she, it was a pretty abusive relationship. She was really, uh, my story is that she was pretty caught in some ego and was pretty threatened by 
my healing in natural spaces. And so she really kind of played some mind games with me about like the words she, you know, the things that she would say to me really, it would take me a week to recover from my appointments with her of the fear that she would instill. Like when you're, when the, when the tumors come back, you know, she would use words like that. And I recorded everything and, and it just became too much. So I'm on my third oncologist. Um, and it was a big thing for me to like, walk away from it because I was like, what if I need her later, you know, or, and you know, these crazy thoughts. And then it was, I think a big part of my healing was understanding this person was not in alignment with me and my values and my style of healing. I'm, I'm grateful for the protocol she put me on. I'm on it six years later. It's kind of unbelievable to everybody that I'm still on it. I'm still tumor free. And, you know, and I'm off of one. I started with three drugs. I'm on two now. Oh, that's amazing. Well, good. So tell me, I know you did a more natural protocol besides Mm -hmm. hormone blockers. Yeah. So what were those things that you did? Yeah. From, from a week into the diagnosis, I was called to learn more about cannabis and how it could support me, even though cannabis had been my nemesis my whole life. And I really hated this plant and how it affected the people in my life. And it was a big issue in my marriage. And and it was just this huge irony that there was something in me that I knew people that had, I had a cousin that had had uh, cancer and was using cannabis and had had great success until other things happened. But, um, it, I just knew there was a calling. So I started, I met, I found a cannabis doctor who, she was a nurse who also had been treating patients and, um, she guided me and she said, I would do what your doctor is saying. This is incredibly serious. And I think cannabis can really help you. And so she came up with a protocol, not easy, you know, like I was high, I was very high for uh, two years uh, while we were waiting to shrink the tumors. And then now I'm on a maintenance dose. Um, And then I just, I stopped alcohol. I stopped all sugar. Um, I left my marriage, you know, uh, I think was, you know, I think we have to remember it's a whole, it's not just our, what we put in our mouth, you know, and it's, it's the toxin. So, um, I started really just being aware of the things that were around me, um, started some Chinese herbs, acupuncture I was already doing. And then there's a thing called the rife machine. Um, I met this woman that had, I call her my witch doctor and she had, she had worked with this machine for years and she did sessions with me and it like helps you kind of detox. And I really detoxed hardcore, like looking back, I didn't know what was happening at the time, but now I'm like, Oh yeah, I was. So that was, I think again, these like little, yes, they missed this spot on my mammogram, there was a lot of kind of like give and take of mistakes made, but then, you know, good choices. And so it's been this very interesting dance. And when I look back at the journey that when, when that first doctor, when I was like, I am definitely not going back to her, it took me two months to get into this other doctor at UCSF. So for two months, nobody knew what I was, nobody cared. Like I'm not on anybody's radar. So I was kind of like, yes. You know, like I have this appointment, I'm going to do all these things. So when I went in, she told me, okay, this is what I think we should do. I'd like to get you on these drugs. 
And I said, okay, I feel in alignment with this and I'll add them to my protocol. I said, but I want to take a CT scan to have apples to apples of my first one that, you know, I got the diagnosis with to now I've been working for two months. I'd love to see where I'm at. So she's like, yeah, no problem. So she orders me the CT scan, shrinking and every single tumor, uh, breast tumor gone, every single liver tumor, which they told me in that first appointment when she said I had metastatic breast cancer, I said, will these tumors in my liver go away? And she said, most likely not. We just hope that they don't spread or get bigger. And here I have shrinking in every single tumor significantly. And my breast tumor was gone. That was, I would say the single most best gift to myself to not doubt the power of my mind, my meditations, my visualization, my belief that I could live the cannabis, you know, um, it's just, it was such a gift. So she constantly tried to tell me that I didn't know that those things were working and I knew. So this was where, again, a big lesson for me was like, my knowing is more important than what this doctor in a white coat is telling me. I, I know for a fact, cause I feel it in my body, but now I actually have proof too. And she still tried to dispel it. So Amazing. I mean, that is what's so important. What you said about listening to your body, listening to your intuition, because so many people, they see this doctor in this white coat and they know everything, Yeah. but you felt it. I mean, cause, and people ask me, how do I listen to my intuition? But you just said mm. it right there. Your body was telling you, you felt this. I don't know what it was, if it was expansion. I mean, you tell me what it was, but your body was telling you something. Yeah. I guess I just had a mindset that I knew I was going to be okay. And, and whether that was true or not, you know, but that was my mind kicking in, telling me you're going to be okay. Like I really believed in these things that I was doing. And I really, I've always believed in more holistic ways. I've, I've not been somebody that's just been like, oh yes, my doctor knows everything. I'm kind of like, mm, do you, you know, um, or like, like, can we work together? Um, and so, yeah, there was just this knowing and there was something in, in getting that test. You know, I'm just so grateful that that came to me to get that test without it. This doctor really messed with my mind. You know, I, I let her and her agenda was very different, you know, and she's just in a different world than I am. And it's her job to, you know, to research pharmaceuticals within the, you know, within the Western medicine, it's not her job to know what cannabis or mushrooms or, you know, acupuncture yoga does for your body. Like that's just not, that's not her specialty. So, so how did you get into a more natural approach? Was it like, okay, I'm desperate. I got to figure out how to heal this. Mm -hmm. Um, they're only giving me you know, aromatase inhibitors. Yeah. What else can I do? Or were you always into more holistic approach? I was always more cautious. I was not somebody, I, I was not on any prescriptions. Um, you know, I definitely took Advil. I was a runner, you know, and I was like, okay, I'd pop some Advil. But um, in general, like my kids, I, I waited for their vaccines until they were like almost ready for school and had to get them. Um, I thought we were eating a pretty, you know, healthy diet. And I think, it, you know, that's kind of one of those things that you look back and I was like, 
bagged salad from Trader Joe's is not really healthy. You know, it's like, I, I, it seemed healthy. I grew up, you know, my parents, we ate a lot of garbage food, but we also, my parents like went to the health food store and, you know, we had whole wheat bread, which back in the day was like Roman meal, you know, not really any (laughs) different, you know? So I kind of, I liked that. And I, I did want to, I always wanted to choose a more natural way. It just was something that I was drawn to. And now, you know, and I wasn't anywhere near where I am now and just seeing and knowing the amazing, you know, healing properties of just these things all around us. So true. And I want to go back to your marriage because that took bravery. (sighs) You know, you were really sick, but you knew I cannot stay in this marriage. Yeah. Tell me just a little bit about that. Cause I know women struggle with that. Oh, this is a huge area that I feel really called to support women in. And it's a place that I have lost a lot of friends walk away. Like it was very, I would say, threatening to the people I knew. You know, it's very easy to sit around with your girlfriends on a Friday night drinking wine, bashing your husband and how shitty things are and how you, you know, oh, I, you know, how you don't want to have sex and how you, you know, how they don't do anything right. And and I was in that space. So all my girlfriends were kind of in the same, like, yeah, our husbands are just shitty. We get to do our thing. It's fine. You know, it's just, that's how it is. So um, we'd been in therapy for three and a half years. We had two kids that had a lot going on uh, with mental illness and, and other things. And, you know, there was a lot of stress in, in our lives. I was not resourced. I am not, I was not the person I am now. And I wasn't getting my needs met since I met him when I was uh, 18 years old. We got married when we were, I was 20. We moved to, to go to Australia for a year. I had this job and if he, we were married, he could come on my visa. And I'm like, yeah, let's just get married and we'll get divorced later. And, you know, I mean, it was just like, I'm a 20 year old, you know? So then here I am 46 and I'm still with this man that I literally knew I shouldn't marry. And we were great friends, you know, we were buddies. And I'm a deep person who needs a, a really deep and intimate connection. And I kept wanting and asking for that. And it just wasn't available to him. And there was this sense of, I'm going to make it work, you know, and, and victimhood. I'm trapped. I can't leave. I don't have money. I don't, you know, where am I going to live? We're in San Francisco. It's so expensive. And when I felt the lump. It it was just clear, you know, like you cannot be with him anymore. And, and, you know, God bless him. He was just like, we have to stay together. I want to take care of you. And, you know, and I just knew like, he can't take care of me in the way that I need to be taken care of. And that's not him. That's, you know, I mean, at the time I did, you know, I was very much blaming him. Now I, I, um, I can see, you know, how I, I, you know, I, I can't blame him. I can't be angry at him for him not being something that, you know, he never was supposed to be. You know, I I want I expected he would change. And that just I needed to change and I needed to be in alignment with myself. And um now, you know, he we have the best and strongest relationship we've ever had. It's pretty remarkable how much we've both grown. And I think because of that space and that freedom for both of us to really kind of get to know, we had not, we didn't know ourselves. We got together. We were so young. And I think now 
there's just such a deep, like he's much deeper than I expected. And he, you know, he supports me in a way that I never expected. And we're still married, you know, because of insurance. So I just, I would say to anybody out there that's in a marriage that like, I believe that that was a huge part of me getting cancer was me not being in alignment, like anger and resentment. And that was, you know, my, my, uh, acupuncturist, she said, Oh gosh, it's really rare to get your cancer all in your liver. Like it's, it's less than 5% of people get this as a first time cancer and all in the liver. And she was like, Oh, you know, that's your anger organ in Chinese medicine. That's where you process, you know, anger and resentment. And it was just like, ding, 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 ding. Wow. you got my number, (laughs) you know? And I think that, you know, what you're saying before is like, how did I know this holistic those kind of little things were my little markers. Like that just made sense. And so I didn't even need to question it. If you know what I mean? Like she said that and I'm like, duh. Oh yeah. I used to punch people when we would go out, you know, dancing and drinking. I I was angry and I was reactive and I had been a victim my whole life. I, you know, this is because of this, my parents, this, my ex, this, my kids, this. And so that it's to me really simple how I got cancer. And so it was not easy, but simple to find the path of how to heal. And here I am kind of six years later being, you know, I just had my scans at the hospital yesterday and they were just like six years, you know, and I'm six years and I'm thriving you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm living an aligned life, you know? So I just tell anybody, if you are in a relationship of any sort, whether it's a work, you know, with your kids, with family member, with an spouse, and it's just not serving you. It like, it's just not worth your health to be in a situation that's, you know, there's a way out and nothing changed. Like literally we had to live together for three years after we separated. Wow. Like it wasn't like, Oh, this is a magic pill. It was like, oh, we have to like start and rip the bandaid off. And how are we going to do this? And it was not easy, you know, and I would not, I, I can't recommend it enough, you know, and, and to be on the other side that we can both be so happy now and support each other. And yeah, that's so amazing. And so did you seek counseling so you can, you know, get, because you said you had all this anger and resentment and victimhood. Yes. So much therapy. I had two therapists at a time. I've had, I, I'm, I love therapy. I think it's incredibly supportive and I've had different kinds at different times, you know? So in the beginning, I remember talking to my therapist and I was like, she's not asking me anything about my childhood or my mother. Like what's wrong with her? We were just trying to get through each day. And like, how are you going to like, how are you going to function today? How are you going to get through this week? And then, you know, yes, then we got to talk about my mom and I've healed, you know, all my anger and resentments that I had against my mom that were really unfounded. You know, like when I, when I look back and got more information and I'm grateful to my mom for being willing to go down that road with me. And just as a side note, my mom, Belinda Ellis, uh, was diagnosed with stage four primary peritoneal almost 20 years ago. (laughs) And we had no idea it was so serious back in the day. And, you know, we weren't on the internet and her doctor did not like tell her it was so serious. 
And she's, she did some chemo, had a surgery and it's been like 20 years. So I also, and, and my mom has not changed. Like she still eats kind of garbage food and you know, like she keeps going, I'm going to start juicing. And I'm like, how are you? Like, I'm like juice. And, you know, so it, it's kind of like, I have other stories about why her cancer came and why she stayed alive. And it's different, you know, than my journey. And I just know that, well, if my mom can be alive, I can be alive, you know? So that was also really helpful for me. Yeah. Um, but I did see a lot of, a lot of therapy and I would go to, I was a yes. This was my kind of game plan. I was a yes to anything that came my way. And I purposely put myself in situations to meet people. And I, every person I met, I said, I'm healing. I never said I had stage four cancer. I would say I am healing stage four cancer. And I would always bring it up in conversations and say it out loud to as many people as possible. And then they're like, oh, my friend, blah, 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 has this offering or how, you know, and so I started doing breath work and deep emotional releases and womb healings and lots of emotional releasing. And I think that that's been huge. Right. When you put yourself out there and you're open to opportunities, things come at you mm. that you never imagined. Yeah. Things yeah. that, you know, this, that, that rife healing that you probably wouldn't have heard of. Yeah. Yeah. And that was literally a friend of mine from high school. So I posted on, so I've always been very straightforward from day one. You know, I posted on, on Facebook. I'm like, this is what's going on guys. I've got stage four cancer. I've got to figure this out. And this friend of mine from high school said, Hey, you need to reach out to my stepmom. She's in Pacifica, you know, 20 minutes away. And um, I didn't even think twice. I just called her. And now this woman, she's been one of my biggest healers for the past six years. I call her my witch doctor. And, um, you know, she, she had lots of ideas for, you know, different herbs and, you know, just different ways to keep. I, I did have some side effects in the beginning with my mouth. Uh, I had mouth sores from the eye brands and she would guide me on natural things to do there. And so, yeah, I've been, I have experienced like healing from most different cultures, most I like, I'm just like, yep, you want to do that? Sure. You know, I'm, and certain things have stuck, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I actually do still do the Rife machine and I do acupuncture and I do, you know, do sound healings and breath work. And, you know, I microdose mushrooms and, you know, I take cannabis and all these things. And then certain things are like, that was cool, but you know, I don't need to do that again. Or, you know, maybe that's later or something. Um, I think we don't have to do, I think that that is something. Um, and I remember being in that space where you're like, what else can I do? You know, and you're like, I need to do 700 things. And then it's like, well, wait, no, actually, how are you feeling right now? Do you, so now I have this, I have this deal for, with myself right now. I just am doing what I'm doing. I'm not researching. I'm not trying to bring anything new in. If a tumor comes into my life in the future, then I can look at the 600 other things I haven't tried yet, you know? And so that's been a, a really a nice relief for me is like, I do, I'm not in that search, like what else is out there? And to be honest, I don't actually talk about, like, I do talk about having, you know, healing cancer, but it's not in that same way that I was just like, it's like, I got to get people, you know, to help me here. And now it's more like, I got a little secret that I can share with you and, and I hope it inspires you in some way to, you know, to live your best life. So that's where I'm at now. 
I think that's so beautiful. Yes. I mean, people get so overwhelmed. They hear so many things. I need to do this. I need to do that. Mm. They're more stressed out because they're trying to figure out what can I do? What can I do to get rid of this? It's awful. It's awful and paralyzing. Good word. Paralyzing. And overwhelming. Yeah. (laughs) I, I hear it and I remember it. I remember it. And that is that it's a really scary place to be because for me, it's like you're kind of isolated, even though, you know, there's millions of people with these stage four diagnosis, you know, you're just like, I'm the only one in this space. And, and then the information out there is like coffee enemas are great. They're not, you know, cannabis is great. It's not, uh, you know, this chemo kills you. Oh no, it saved my friend. Like you just don't know. Very true. Yeah. So as we were saying in the beginning, the intuition, I think that's advice I like to share when people are interested is go slow. You know, when you get that diagnosis, you do not need surgery next week, most likely, you know, and, and they will be scheduling you because that's, they, they have a system. And that, that, that's just how they work, you know, but I always say, just go slow, take some time, turn off your phone. Don't ask, you know, tell people you're not ready for, you know, bombard, you know, cause Pete, I just, a friend was sharing yesterday, you know, random unsolicited, you know, uh, recommendations from people on the internet. You don't even know, you know, they're saying like, are you eating this? Are you, you know, it's just like, no, like, don't tell me what to do, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So now what kind of tests do you get? I mean, just MRIs, do you do anything else? Yeah, I get it. I get my scans every six months now. So I do an MRI of my chest and abdomen and um, I've been tumor free for four and a half years. And I have two little we call them artifacts um, in my liver that have not changed. And, and so we know that they're like dead cells or I, I always love scars. So my story is, you know, that my body's like, here's your little reminder, you know, here's your little, you know, your badge of honor that you did this thing. So I've never been considered no evidence of disease, which is also something where I just tell people these labels, who cares? Incurable? Who, who decides that? Like, is it, is it really? What if it is curable? You know, I think it is, I say I'm healed, you know, and that was a hard one for me to use the word because I felt like, am I a fraud? You know, my doctor says it's, it's incurable. You know, the internet says it's incurable, but I'm like, right now I would say I'm cured. Why do I need to live in a not cured when I don't have tumors? If I get tumors again, then I could say I have cancer again, but like right now I don't. So why can't I be healed? So I just like to push, you know, these kind of what makes sense for me, you know, what makes sense for me is different than what makes sense for other people. So I go, I go with my own narrative. (laughs) I think this is so helpful for people because you're reframing, you know, yeah, you're asking why, why, why can't it be this way for me? Why can't I be healed? Why can't I be cancer free? Yeah. For whatever time, even if it was for five days, why not? Because that's much more hopeful. And, you know, I have this story that I would love, like when you, you, you feel the lump and you go into the doctor and what if, what if the doctor sat down and was like, Hey, Willow, I've got some really great news. You have been diagnosed with this cancer and this is going to give you permission to live your life for you. And this is your, you've got, let's just say you've got a year 
And you are, you, for this next year, the only thing you have to do is take care of yourself. Everything else is going to be taken care of for you. And here's all these options. You know, hey, we've got these hormone things. These are going to be great. We also have this juicing person that's going to show you how to juice. We have this dietitian that's going to show you. We have this therapist. You know, we, we have all these different things you can try. We've got vitamin C infusions. We have chemo. Let's t- sit and make a plan and work together. And in a year, you're going to feel like a million dollars because you've really just taken care of yourself. Like, what if that was a cancer diagnosis? Yeah, it's just a totally different approach. What would that be like? What would be that versus not what we hoped for? It's going to take your life. You better get on disability. You know, it's just like, what? It's just, I think our, I do know our minds are so, are so powerful. So powerful. So powerful. Yeah. Now, I just want to ask you one last question before we get into random round. Mm -hmm. What was the major lesson that cancer taught you? Because I know everyone I talked to and me for sure, it taught me so many things, but oh yeah, just one lesson, if you can share. Hmm. Cancer it allowed me to get back to myself. Like it gave me permission to really live my life, which I had never lived. And it's just been spectacular. (laughs) Uh, It's been the best six years of my life. Like it's like cancer healed me. It healed my life. It gave me my life back. Like that is, I can't imagine where I would be without it, (laughs) to be honest. And, And I know that this is not the case for everybody. And that is something I don't want to downplay. Like some people's cancers by time they get the diagnosis, you know, or whatever their treatments are, are brutal, you know, and I've, I've watched more, you know, I'm sure you've seen it too. I've lost more friends than I can count and it's devastating. And I do see that people get the lessons, you know, and that they can die at least in a, like if I had died before I got cancer, that would have been really sad. And now I'm like, if I die tomorrow, like, I don't want to die, but I'm so good. You know, I'm grateful for this time. Yeah. You're just living your best life and you look so vibrant. Thanks. Yeah. Thriving. I want to thrive, you know, not just get by. And I was just getting by before. Yeah, exactly. It's brought me into a deeper level of living. Yes. I can relate to that so much because I feel like cancer did the same for me. I'm just so much more authentic, authentic to myself, just yes, what I want and and what I need. Yes. You know, before I think it was just people pleasing and, you know, you look at society and what do they think I should do or or how will they judge me if I do this? Mm -hmm. So you're such living proof that, you know, you can do what you want to do and and thrive because of it. So thank you so much. And now I just want to get into random round. Yeah, I love it. Great. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is. Mm, Just being in my van, heading out with no destination. (laughs) Favorite. Yeah. The last show you binged and loved. I'm thinking that was Pose on, I think it was Netflix or something. Um, yeah. About the drag balls in the eighties and in Brooklyn. And I watched that with my non-binary kid and it was really, really powerful. Brought me back to my roots and connected me to my kid in that space. It's a beautiful show. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah. It's good. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? 
breathe, ground. And I just tell myself this will pass. <laughs> if you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Mm. I've, I'm a Libra. So this is very challenging for me to, like, I want to name like 50 people. Um, but I would say like Joe Dispenza has really been high on my list lately, just because he's, you know, of this power of our mind, I would love to learn more and go deeper. What is your favorite go-to snack? Um, cacao and dark chocolate. (laughs) I eat a lot. (laughs) I'm a chocolate fan too. (laughs) Yeah. What is one simple thing that brings you joy? Oh, being in connection with people. I love getting to know people. I love connecting with people in the simplest way. What's on your nightstand? Usually on my nightstand, some crystals, um, my cannabis I take at night, um, a salt lamp, um, usually some plants and my rings that I take off. What is your favorite form of exercise? Dance. Ecstatic dance has changed my life. And that's something I found. And that's where I'd say most of my connections to healers have come through my ecstatic dance and my ecstatic dance travels. Yeah. So it's called ecstatic dance? Ecstatic dance. It's a free form dance. You just dance like nobody's watching. And uh, it's a real chance to be playful and silly and move your body. And um, the music is kind of takes you on a journey. So it starts really slow and then builds up high energy and then comes down. Um, so it's a really embodied, you can really, I've learned to really use it to move emotion and you can go and you can cry, you can laugh, you can be silly. And it just literally changed my life. Um, and, and so it's just a great way to move and, and get exercise as well as move emotions and connect with people too. Yeah. It's, oh, it sounds amazing. Fantastic. <sighs> What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? Uh, I'm really grateful to be living authentically and, and unapologetically. Like this is who I am. I'm not going to people please. I'm not going to conform to other people. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really brought me to myself. And in that it's connecting me, you know, in my simple joy of connection, it's connecting me to people all around the world and amazing humans. So. And where can people find you if they want to learn more and, and about your work? Yeah. Um, I, uh, my website is, um, www.meetwillowstar.com. That's M-E-E-T. And then my name, Willow Star with one R. And yeah, I do like van healing sessions. I take my van and support people with cancer. I coach people with cancer um, and other people who just want to live their best life. And I just moving from San Francisco to Mount Shasta area and I'll be holding little retreats there just kind of walking people through kind of like my day and how like life can be so simple and just really get into like, what do you need to heal? Like, let's, let's do it. You know? Oh, well, Willow, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. I feel such a connection to you and so many of your answers were, I was just like jumping out of my seat. Like, yes, I feel the same way. Mm. (laughs) So I'm so happy to have met you. Thank you. And thank you for doing this work. It's just like, 
every time I connect with somebody like you that's doing this and sharing out loud and giving the platform to those of us who want to share, I just, I feel us healing, you know, and especially women, you know, it's like, we've, we've held so much and it's not, it's not a surprise to me that breast cancer is what's plaguing and, and, you know, uh, female organs that we hold so much, whether it's our uterus, whether it's our cervix, whether it's our breast, you know? Um, and so I just appreciate meeting people like you that have also got it. And I feel like each one of us that keeps coming together and we're like, Hey, like, it's okay. You know, I want to flip this paradigm. So I really, I'm grateful for you for this platform and for the work that you're doing. And, and I just, yeah, I look forward to so much more. Wonderful. And it takes a community. That's yes. It really does. And, and that is a bit advice too, is don't isolate. Like maybe you need to for a few days, but your community is going to help you heal, you know? And I think that that's, we turn and, oh, I can do it all myself. I can cook. I can, you know, but, and no, let others support you. You know, it's okay. So I think that that's a great message. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.